I'm going to have to talk to our, our creators there. <laughs> I can These are it. getting a little out of hand, don't you think? Now I know what they, no, they think about me. Yeah, they? Whoever so you don't them. do these? I don't do those. You don't? No. You're a victim? <laughs> victim. I am a victim. <laughs> hey, I'd like to welcome everybody today. I, I don't think this is science. It's Roger Billings live. But did you hear about the Super Bowl? <laughs> There's got to be some science in there. Go Chiefs, huh? Yeah, they yeah. won. <laughs> oh, Kansas City is a great place to live. Home of the South. Yeah, people come here to play football. It's so great. Yeah, I'm proud of them. But it is a wonderful place to live. And Acellus is a wonderful place to go to school. It is. And my message today is that it's going to get better and better and better and better. There are so many people, more than ever before, working to make Acellus better. And it's, it's fun. You know, one of the guys that came out of Missouri was Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. Another one was Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. A lot of really great people. Willis Hawkins was born in Kansas City. We talked about him last time. Bill Lear came out of Missouri. And Bill Lear came out of Missouri. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, why it's great. Does that count? Yeah, it has, that counts. <laughs> but um, Walt Disney used to uh, meet with his team after they worked very hard on a, on a video or a, an exhibit at the Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And then he would always try to plus it and say, okay, this is great, but can you plus it? Is that me? I don't think it's me. That's pretty good noise. <laughs> I like it. We now have a noise mystery. I like watching the sound guy in the back there with that big old smile. <laughs> okay, it's really good, isn't it? At any rate, so uh, we're in the process of plussing Acellus and making it better and better. And I think there's some secrets about learning that we should talk about today that are going to help students that are actually going through the process. Uh, I want to thank Joshua for uh, bringing students to us every week so we can get to see some of the, the different kinds of people that are doing a solace and it's, it's fun. We have many, many gifted students, but all of our students are very special. Mm -hmm. and, and I would like to think that that's what makes a solace different is that we care so much about every single student and their success. But I want to talk about learning and I'd like to start by sharing with you one of the really difficult personal experiences of my life. <laughs> Is it? Wow. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a tearjerker. Maybe it's for me then. <laughs> oh, no. <It's> definitely. <laughs> I think. Okay. okay. So here's how it went. First of all, I want to set the stage. When I was in middle school, they had a, a great idea, and it was on report cards. You know, report card, you get every quarter telling mm -hmm. your parents how good you're doing, mm -hmm. or maybe how good you're not doing. <laughs> and they came out with this idea of how to improve the report card. And so instead of giving you a grade, they gave you two grades. Mm -hmm. 
one for effort and one for achievement. <laughs> and my teacher, my English teacher, actually gave me an A for achievement and a D for effort. <laughs> How does that work? How does that work? She, she seemed to think I wasn't applying myself very much, but I was getting by pretty well. And, and I tell you this true story because I think, oh, I heard that noise again. Did you hear it? Mm -hmm. Hmm. The mystery noise. Forget about it. Okay, so anyway, back at these grades. When you, um, when you take an exam, there are a lot of ways to score well on the exam. One way is to learn the material. I highly recommend that method. That's called the smart learning method. Another way, when you didn't really take time to learn the material and you're taking the exam, you do what I did a few times way back when I didn't know any better, and that was I would psychoanalyze the teacher. So you get a question, and there'd be multiple choices, A, B, C, or D. And so I'd read the question, and then I'd think about the teacher. I'd think, what would they put there? What would that, and I'd sit and, I heard that noise again. Let me check your mic out. <coughs> heard it again. What is that? We just call you think it's mine? <laughs> Not me. I don't think it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I heard it. Okay, we're we're gonna live with it. We're gonna, uh oh, here comes a new mic. They would love to see the mic guy, wouldn't I, they? I knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> so should I take? But hmm, yeah. It's like a beatbox. Can you just keep going with some music? <laughs> you know, it's rhythm to somebody. Uh, should we should we call Mr. Tobias, the mic guy up here? Yeah, Hi. let's do that. Hi, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is called Science Live. This is what we do live. <laughs> now you know it's not pre-recorded. I'm being for real. <laughs> yeah. This is take two. <laughs> Could use some sympathy, you know, for all the stuff we go through. <laughs> you talk for a minute. Oh, I think this is awesome. <laughs> this is how we put it on. This is how we mic it up. This is how the sound guy does it. <laughs> this is called going through obstacles. <laughs> this is the bottom of the optimism curve. <laughs> it's going to go up. <laughs> I heard that I am, I'm, it's really nice I'm funny on Science Live because some of my, some of my lessons aren't. <laughs> so. Is any better? I don't have a mic now, do I? Can you yes, hear me? Yes, we can. Hello, hello, do you hear me? <laughs> Echo. Echo, okay, good. Okay. All right, so, we want to oh hear yes, about this. we were talking about these teachers, but it is true, if you study your teacher and you get to know their personality, then when you look at the question, they ask you a question, you look at A, you look at B, Sometimes hard to know which one's correct, but if you can study their personality, you can guess what wrong answer they would put. Okay, so you're teaching the kids <laughs> what they teaching. do. That's a trick question. I know, I know this teacher, I know that teacher, mm -hmm. and so That's I do it smart. that way. 
And sometimes I would get a better score than I had knowledge. And uh, my goal was to get through the class, right? That was the goal. And I got pretty good at it, and I, I got through middle school, but I did not learn what I could have. And I'm not proud of that. In fact, uh, did you know I got a double promotion in math? You did? Mm -hmm. How'd you I do I went that? from this grade to that grade in the middle of my math class. And it, how did I do that? Well, I used the Michael phenomena. <laughs> the Michael phenomena. The Michael phenomena. My best friend in middle school was a guy named Michael Sturgill. Huh? Hope he's not listening. <laughs> I was wondering. He probably is. But anyway, hi, Zana. Anyway, it goes like this. He had the same math teacher right before lunch that I had right after lunch. And his name was Mr. Watts. He did not invent electricity. But it was, his name was Mr. Watts. And so Michael would go to class just before lunch, and he'd get the homework assignment. And it would be the very same homework assignment he was going to give my class after lunch. And I did not want to take a book home. And so at lunch, Michael and I would do the assignment. And to be able to work the problems, Michael had to teach me. So I learned how to work the problems every day from Michael. And then I went to class after lunch. And whenever Mr. Watts would ask me a question, I knew the answer. And so about one-third through the year was parent-teacher conference. It's always a very terrifying part. <laughs> My parents came in, and Mr. Watts says, I have not taught Roger anything all year. Everything oh. I taught, he already knows. He's just wasting his time in my class. I'm going to recommend him for a double promotion. It sounded good, didn't it? My parents thought that was great, so I got a double promotion. And I went from Mr. Watts, who didn't invent electricity, <clears throat> to Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson was the algebra teacher. Mr. Johnson was there when my parents were students. <laughs> this was his last year teaching. Mr. Johnson was teaching algebra. And I walked in right in the middle of the year because I'm really smart. Mr. Watts said so. I didn't teach him anything. Like, well, Michael did. So I walk into that class. And he started talking about how you solve an equation. Is <laughs> this a sad part? I have no idea what an equation was. Oh, that is sad. It was terrible. It was a terrible experience. And when I go to those exams, he wasn't doing multiple choice. He wanted answers. <laughs> and I struggled, 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 struggled. I love it. I worked very hard, and somehow I got through that class. And by the time that year finished, I was absolutely terrified by math. I was terrified. I did not want to get near math. And I did not know algebra. And I missed the basic pre-algebra that I should have been taking. Big mistake. When they came to me and said, hey, you're so smart, you need to move on to the next class. I wish I'd just fessed up and says, no, Michael's smart, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just told him, mm -hmm. because it really made a big mistake in my educational career. Mm. But from that, I learned the value of education. I learned how important it is. And I, I eventually, in high school, 
had a chance to take Algebra 1 over again. And I was so glad, and I loved it. I started out right at the beginning of the class. It's an amazing subject. And then I took Algebra 2, and by the time I got through that, I was senior in high school, and it was too late to take geometry, trigonometry, and calculus, which I wish I had taken. So when I got to the university, all of the science courses I wanted to take required math that I didn't have. The physics class I wanted to take required calculus. The engineering classes I wanted to take required calculus. Calculus required trigonometry. Trig required geometry. I'd had Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. So Wednesday night, my first semester of college, I took Math 90. And those of you that are college savvy know that any course at the university that's only two digits long, 90, supposed to be three digits like 111, 112. If it's only two digits, it means you don't get any college credit. Sure been nice working with you. <laughs> Oh, she's gone. <laughs> There's a few things I just, <clears throat> just listening. Okay. Well, anyway, Math 90 was geometry, trig, all bundled up in one class, and it was a lot of work, no credit, but it prepared me to take the courses I wanted to. I really came to respect the importance of knowledge and the foundation of knowledge. Um, another example that kind of illustrates the same point in my own personal life. I decided that I needed to learn Portuguese. I was going to go to Brazil, and I really was going to be there a while, and I wanted to be able to speak the language, so I went to a language school. And there were a bunch of people that went to the school with me, and we started out speaking you know, fairly good English. And in the middle of that school, uh, the administrator of the school came to me and said, Roger, I think you're wasting your time here. And I said, why? And he said, you're not getting it. Did you know that language cannot be figured out? If we have a word in English, which we, we have a lot of words in English, and we have the same word in Portuguese, but it's different. You can't just figure out what the Portuguese. Welcome back. Thank you. Was I heard you were going to say some things, and then you stopped. See, that's why I didn't say anything, <laughs> because I knew you were eavesdropping. Okay, okay. well, welcome Portuguese. back. Thank you. Glad to have you. Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, you have to memorize. Portuguese words, you can't just figure them out. For example, let's say that you have the color blue, because we do have blue in English, don't we? It's blue. And everybody knows that the color of blue is blue, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. But in Portuguese, they don't say blue. They say azul. Blue and azul don't look alike. <laughs> no, and the only way that you can learn azul for blue is to just memorize it. With math, quite often I could drive a formula, I could figure it out with science, but with language, you had to just memorize. 
And I discovered that I was a very poor memorizer. Mm -hmm. Memorizing was very, very hard for me. And I also realized that the reason was I'd never done it. I'd always figured out other methods of getting through life without it. <laughs> Memorization is kind of like building muscles, only you're building your brain muscle. And it comes through practice. If you practice memorizing, you get better and better and better at it. And if you haven't practiced it, if you haven't developed your skill of memorizing, then you're not going to be very good at it. That's a fact. And eventually, as I got into really wanting to learn Portuguese, I started developing my memorization skill. I buckled down, I worked hard, and I got it, and I think now that I have many wonderful friends that I can speak to. In fact, I spoke to one today by telephone down in Brazil because I can still remember these words that I memorized. And it's a fact. Azul is blue. <laughs> Vermelho is red. Laranja is orange. Mm -hmm. Violeta is purple. Cinza is gray. Verde is green. I know. All of those have to be memorized. In learning, there's a thing that is the core facts, the essential facts in every subject. And those essential facts must be memorized. You have to learn them and you have to retain them. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, why? I've got Google. I can just, I don't know what that word means. Well, even in a world of Google and artificial intelligence, there are core things that you need to learn and memorize. And these essential facts are crucial. And you say, well, why? Well, let's start just with speaking. I've got Google right here on my, my computer. I don't need to learn words. If I want to say something, I'll just Google and find out the word. <clears throat> Hi, I would like to talk to you about hydrogen. <laughs> to be able to communicate, mm -hmm. you need to have those core words. You, you need to have them memorized. You have to develop a vocabulary. In math, you have to learn math facts. You have to learn fundamental knowledge to be able to master the higher level understanding of the subject. In Acellus, we're doing a major undertaking right now to perfect and refine the essential knowledge that a student needs to learn to master each lesson. I have observed that in many of our classes, we expect students to memorize things that really they don't need to. And so we're coming back and focusing on identifying which things you need to know to really empower you to do the things you want to in your lives and which things you can just Google when you need them. And there are two different kinds of knowledge or facts. And hopefully this will make it more straightforward for you to memorize the material. But you will not excel in learning, you will not be empowered to do amazing things 
in the future if you do not start memorizing and owning some of these mm -hmm. facts. In, in Acellus, our general strategy is if it's something you need to memorize, then one of the best ways to do so is with a drill. A drill is a, a procedure, a special lesson that helps you to be able to memorize things. And we have spent a tremendous amount of time, effort, and money perfecting drills. And you know, people are very, very complicated, interesting creatures. <laughs> and a lot of these real foundational things you need to learn when you're young. And one of the real important ones is math facts. And what are math facts? Are things like, you know, your multiplication tables. Uh, seven times three is what? You need to memorize those. And you say, well, why do you memorize? I got fingers, I can count those. Yes, seven times three, what is it? Seven, that's one time. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> 14, that's two. Yes, you can count them. But if you don't have them memorized and your teacher's explaining the higher concepts of math, you can't keep up with them. You can't count your fingers fast enough. So lo and behold, we needed to find a way to help students memorize their math facts. And some just seem to know them before they learn them, but others really struggle, like I did with learning Portuguese. I had a hard time learning to memorize. By the way, when I mastered memorization, learning Portuguese, it stayed with me the rest of my life. And I'm really, really grateful. Now I love the challenge of remembering things. And I play little games with myself all the time. Like, for example, I can remember she walked out a little while <laughs> and she didn't explain why. And I'm not going to ask. That's wise. <laughs> Very wise. But, but seriously, memorization is an art that you have to develop, a skill that requires practice and exercise. And when we were trying to teach math facts, we thought there's got to be a way to help more students be able to memorize them. And we tried all these different things. We tried games, that didn't work. We tried little videos, we tried memorization songs. Oh goodness, we tried all sorts of things. And with Acellus, there are so many students, we can put it out there and in just a few days, we can see how well it worked. Ah, that didn't work. <laughs> that didn't work either. We tried, and there's our, our very Beverly that led this exercise, didn't you? She tried almost everything. And one day she says, I found something that worked. And I said, Beverly, it's about time. Now it's Dr. Beverly. What was it? She says, it's gingerbread men. Remember that? Gingerbread men work. And I said, really? What do you mean? She says, well, I made this drill about multiplication facts with these little gingerbread men, and in the drill, they would eat the gingerbread man. And he'd, ouch, oh, that hurts. And, and they would get it. <laughs> There's gotta be a better way than <laughs> hurting maybe gingerbread was, men. Maybe it was the but competition. That was the first thing we saw that, that helped, yeah. that worked, and, and the results got much, much better. From there, though, we went on further and further and further, and then we learned that uh, the way you get our students to really memorize these math facts is make it harder for them. Mm. 
You say, what do you mean make it harder? Cognitive learning, you've got to challenge them. So we now have a math facts drill, and those of you that have done elementary math know about this, where we have this universe where we put in some numbers, and the, the students then get to pick another number and where to put it on the table. If they put it in the right place, they get score. If they put it in a better place, they get double score. And if they're really clever in how they plan out how the numbers are going on the, on the screen, they can get triple score. And once they start thinking about how to get that higher score, it goes in their brain that sticks. Isn't it interesting? Our brains are amazing. And we need to acquire this knowledge. We need to memorize it. We need foundational knowledge. I'm trying to make sure that our teachers do their homework. That sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> that our teachers do their homework to make sure we're not requiring that our students memorize anything that really won't be useful to them. Let's use our memorization to get things right. I had a, a, a video recorder, and this was years ago when they came out, and they're really neat. You hook them up to the TV antenna, and then they'll record your favorite show, and if you're not home, when you get home, you can watch it. And when they first came out, that was just all the rage. So I'm putting in the shows I want to watch, and after I got seven shows in, I went and put in the eighth one, and the thing said, out of memory. It can only keep track of seven shows. <laughs> and so then uh, someone came and gave me a phone number. Uh, let me give you my phone number. Just memorize it. And they started telling me, I said, sorry, out of memory. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true that when you use your memory, you can really do some amazing things. And if you want to really be successful in your career, and it just about doesn't matter what your career is, whether it's memorizing good plays for the football team at the Super Bowl, <laughs> or whether it's being an accountant or being an inventioneer, this foundational knowledge is very, very, very important. What? I agree. <laughs> Can you give us a clue? <laughs> Of what? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Of where, where I went, no. Yes. Oh, now that you bring it up. <laughs> My homing beacon was on. I had to go. Okay. Well, you know, it was nice of you to come back. Thank you. The students, I'm sure, were really glad you came back. I don't think they noticed. Maybe they thought, maybe they thought we were having contention. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's not... That's not appropriate to say. But what, what were we contentioning about? <laughs> Did you know my laughter is infectious? You changed what subject? <laughs> that's, okay. a, that's a comment that came in. Dr. Bowie's laughter is infectious. Okay, it's good. <laughs> and you. why is it infectious? Because I love life, and I'm trying to make everybody else do it, too. Well, it was nice you came back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I want to go on to kind of the next thing. And this is real important. Uh, some of the students will get into a lesson that's kind of hard, and they get discouraged, and they bog down. And with a cellist, that's not what you want to do. When you run into a lesson that's really difficult for you, the secret is to keep trying. And you say, why? Well, we're making some changes. It, it's interesting, um, some students that are working through an Acellus course will get stuck. 
stuck is when you get into a lesson and it, you're not getting it and you can't get out and you're just stuck right there and it just re keeps repeating. And I said, I don't like anyone to get stuck. Let's figure out how to not make them get stuck. So we're changing the cellus now. So if you go through the material first time and then if it's taught a second time and you're still stuck, it jumps you on to the next lesson. And it delays when you, I mean, you need every lesson as you go. So it delays this lesson till the end of a section, okay? And then what it does when you skip the lesson and move on, a big alarm goes off in the courseware development team. And so they run in and look at what happened. Why, why was this student stuck? And they try and fix it. So when you come back, there's new help materials, there's things to help you That's get fantastic. through it. It is pretty neat. Wow. But the, the single biggest, most effective magical tool that we have in Acellus is a thing called vectored instruction. When I took physics, I loved learning about vectors. Uh, in physics, a vector is a force through a particular distance. It has a magnitude and it has a direction. So neat, when you get in physics, you're gonna love vectors too. But the idea is when a student is, is struggling with a subject matter, there's a reason. And most of the time, the reason is because they lack some of the foundation they needed from earlier lessons to be able to master this new lesson. And so what we try to do is we look at at answers they give to assessments to figure out what's the missing information that they have. And once a cellist determines you're struggling in that way, it kicks into the special vectored instruction mode. I want to show you what it looks like kind of on the, on the courseware development site. Can we bring up the screen? This is real hard to see because it's little, but there's a student going along here and the lessons go from the bottom up. So the one on the bottom there shows the student was getting a 69% success on this particular lesson, which isn't passing. So it flipped into vectored instruction. And you, if you look, there's about six steps of special filling in blanks where they didn't seem to have the material. And then they were given the same material again and they jumped up to 88%. That's pretty typical of what we're seeing with vectored instruction. It's one of the reasons why students that are very, very, very discouraged start having confidence come back when they get into a solace because they start to succeed. As soon as you decide, I'm stupid, I can't do it, I'm stupid. As soon as you decide that, you're right. Mm. And we don't want anybody to decide that. So please, if you do run into a lesson that is really difficult for you, just give it your best. Just keep trying, give it your best. Soon you'll be out of the lesson. Hopefully you'll master it. If you don't, well then we're going to find out why and we're going to fix it. We have a wonderful team of dedicated teachers looking at these. And that team is growing very fast. And they really, really care. Uh, it, it, it's fascinating when when we started Acellus and someone would have a problem or they get stuck, they had a little button they could push, uh, need help, you click the need help button and the teacher would pop up, hi, I'm your teacher, what do you need? And they'd say, well, you know, I, I, I don't get this lesson. And it was very hard to help students doing video chat 
it's just not a good way to teach. If you're going to teach, you need a whiteboard, you need to write, and all those things. So we developed much better techniques to help our students. And we also have recently invented a brand new I need help button, which should be up soon. Yeah, it's, it's invented. Now we have to get the programming done. But uh, I really want students to feel like they've got tons and tons of help. So you push that help button, and it's going to give you a menu of the kinds of help that you can get. Now, vectored instruction is automatic. It just happens. And the special wrong answer videos are just automatic. There are a lot of things that are just automatic. But if you still are stuck and you just say, I need help, they'll bring up a menu, then you get to choose what kind of help you want. If we have some special help videos for you, it'll tell you right there and you can go to them. If you need to communicate with a teacher, then you can do that right there. And uh, this gives us the feedback we need to make it better and better. And we keep track of every lesson in every subject. We have how many classes now? 300, I believe. 300 classes, and most of those classes are about, oh, 150 to 250 lessons. And on every one of those lessons, we analyze how each student does. And where students are struggling, we go after it. And that's why so many of you are doing better. But you've got to do your part. If you are not good at memorizing, it isn't because you're not able to memorize. It's because you haven't trained yourself. It's kind of like riding a bike. You've got to get on, and, and you've got to really make an effort, maybe tip over a few times, get some training wheels, whatever. And we'll try to provide training wheels and help train you to memorize, but you need to do it. And it's just like building muscles to be on the Chiefs football team. <laughs> you have to work at it every day and challenge yourself to memorize things. It really makes a difference when you do, and you'll find it'll change your quality of life for the better. Mm -hmm. um, my guess is you have a secret friend back there <laughs> from your planet that you went to talk to while no one was looking. Well, if I did, I wouldn't say, <laughs> would I? That means I'm getting close, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, anyway, uh, one thing uh, we've learned is that <clears throat> sometimes we need to give people their privacy, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> I have a surveillance camera back there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And in conclusion, oh. yeah, <laughs> moving back, there's one other little example that, that I'd like to, to bring up about memorization, about learning materials. There's essential knowledge that you really need to master, and you need to master it by memorization. One really important place that I'm grateful that I did that was in being an airplane pilot. So when I was starting my flying lessons, and my wonderful instructor forced me, required me to memorize a pre-flight checklist, a pre-takeoff checklist, an emergency checklist. He made me memorize these things and memorize and memorize. I thought, whoa, enough's enough. He says, no, in flying, 
you have to absolutely have it just be really, really natural. And so I'd always use the checklist, and I'd always follow it, and I, you know, when, when you're ready to land an airplane, you go through the pre-landing checklist, and most pilots have it memorized. You know, fuel, proper tank, and you turn carb heat for ice, mixture it. You go through your little list of things you do to make sure that you're going to have a safe landing, that you're ready to do it. One day, I took off from here in Kansas City to go buy two more airplanes. I had a little flying school, this is years ago, and a Cessna dealership. And so there were two trainer airplanes for sale down in Oklahoma. And so I got in my airplane and took off to go down and look at these little airplanes. And I took my mechanic with me, my airplane mechanic, so he could check out the planes and make sure they were, they were in good shape. So as I started climbing out from, from Kansas City, all of a sudden, the cabin of the airplane started to fill up with smoke. And you know, um, smoke's not a good thing in an airplane. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're on fire. And it started getting pretty thick. And my wonderful co-pilot, who was my mechanic, sitting right there next to me, I was flying, but he was also a pilot, and he grabbed the microphone and he started screaming, we're on fire, we're on fire, we're going to crash, we're going to crash, we're on fire. And I, That's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> but because of my instructor and the way he drilled it into me and drilled it into me and made me memorize it and memorize it almost without thinking, I started going through the emergency checklist. And there's a bunch of things you do. The first thing you do is you turn off the fuel so that if the fuel is leaking somewhere and it's burning, you get it turned off before the whole plane burns up. And I did that, and I, I trimmed the airplane to the best speed, which, which means you trim it so it'll glide the longest in the air. And there's a speed that's optimum for that, and you have all those things memorized for your airplane. And without even realizing it, I watched myself go through all those emergency procedures. And then I started looking for a place to do an emergency landing. Now, everybody that becomes an airplane pilot is given the responsibility to go through an emergency procedure. And you're doing a flying lesson, and all of a sudden, your instructor reaches over and turns off the engine. And then he says, what are you going to do? And so you're supposed to go through the emergency procedure, you trim the airplane, get it ready, and then you look for a place to land to do an emergency landing because when the engine stops, the plane goes down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a rule of a fact. aviation, <laughs> so fact of life. And so I was doing that one time with my instructor and uh, I was a pretty green student pilot at the time and I found a big old field down there, and so I went around, did a downwind, and I was going to do my landing there. And what I didn't realize is you don't really land in the field. Oh. You just get close, and then you turn the power back on and go back to the airport. And I guess he thought I was going to do it, and I thought he was going to do it. And I, I got part of a corn plant in my landing gear. I kissed the ground. <laughs> And he told me, don't you ever do that again. You're not supposed to do that. When you're, when you're becoming student pilots, don't go that far. But this time, 
it wouldn't do any good to turn the plane back on because it was on fire. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be dangerous. So I looked, and where I was, there's just buildings and houses, and, and right over there to the left was the Lee Summit Airport. And so I decided I'm going to head for that airport, and I started going towards it. And I had a three-bladed prop on this airplane, and it was, it's motoring like a windmill because the engine was turned off, but it was motoring. And about halfway to the airport, it stopped motoring. It ceased. And once that happened, the plane started dropping much faster. I started losing altitude, and I thought, this isn't good. And I saw that airport, and I saw the ground coming up. And my mechanic said, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're not going to make it. <laughs> on air? You, quiet. Oh, yeah. Tell on, everybody. On little microphone. I thought, well, thank you. <laughs> but uh, the, the runway goes like this, mm -hmm. and we were coming in like this. Now, when you land crosswise on a runway, it's too short. <laughs> and you you got to be going this way. But if I came back here like you're supposed to to turn base, I would have hit the ground. And the end of the runway, at least summit, there's, there's a big hill. Mm -hmm. I mean, they build it up because they made the runway longer. And you don't want to hit the side of it. It's like flying into a, into a mountain. So I was aiming right at the end of the runway. And... Uh, I tell you, it was a hair-raising experience. When he started screaming, emergency, emergency, everybody at the Lee Summit Airport came outside to watch us. Boy. And I don't think they came out to watch us land. <laughs> but they all came out. And here we are. And when we got to the end of that runway, we were just starting to stall. We just barely, barely made it. And I hit the... On an airplane, you have toe brakes, one for each wheel. I hit the right wheel, and it flipped the plane around, so it turned on the runway. I don't, we didn't practice that. It was just, <laughs> just, I just, I'm so grateful. And it went down the runway, and I coasted off, ordered the tie down, and all the people started clapping. <laughs> How about you? But my lesson was this. It was really, really, really important that my instructor made me memorize yeah. those things so that when my mind was too messed up with the moment mm -hmm. to think, my training came through. And I believe it saved my life. And it saved the life of my noisy mechanic. I hope he's not listening <laughs> noisy tonight. Noisy mechanic. <laughs> Notice I didn't say his name. I, I noticed that. <laughs> Bob Jones. No, <laughs> no, that's not really his name. But. Moral of the story is put your effort into your schooling. It, it may not save your life when you're trying to land an airplane, but I'll tell you what, it'll sure make your life wonderful. Study hard. It's worth it. See you next time.